0: You know, that moment where that woman got to in that episode of Extreme Makeover Weight Loss Edition um, is pretty much the moment we want to get to today. Probably not uh, through a fight or flight run on the beach for sure, but through the course of this conversation to get to the place in our hearts where we want to commit to a boot camp. Now admittedly, um, I didn't know what a boot camp was for quite some time. Um, We, a number of months ago, got some new neighbors and uh, these new neighbors had some young boys who were about the age of our uh, two young boys and so that meant that our young boys got some new friends which meant that they were at our place a lot and our boys have been at their place a lot which means that as parents, we've been at each other's place a lot picking up our kids. And there have been a number of times where uh, Becky has let me know that the mom of these boys, who are our new neighbors, uh, this mom has invited her to participate in this boot camp that she runs out of her garage. And for the longest time, I would ask Becky, you know, why would you do that? Why would you, why would you be part of a boot camp? And. Uh, Bit of a by the way, as the side. What I realized when after the first few times that I was asking Becky this question, um, she was actually hearing me ask her why I felt like she needed to be part of a boot camp. She was kind of hearing me, you know, compliment her as if a boot camp was was unnecessary for her. She was in just such great shape and looked so amazing that that she didn't need a boot camp. And I only realized this after that that I was that I was kind of scoring accidental compliment points. And I, I just feel like I need to share that with you because as guys especially, there are so many times where we, unbeknownst to ourselves, we, we accidentally lose points with what we say. And for some freak of nature, I was gaining points with, with what I was saying without knowing. I thought you would, you would want to know that, especially the guys in the room, just to kind of cheer each other on, that that actually is... That actually is possible, but b- back to the point. I-, I learned that what a boot camp is, at least kind of out there uh, and on TV shows like we just watched, uh, a boot camp is a a disproportionate, intensive investment in your fitness. That's what a boot camp is: a, a disproportionate, intensive investment in your fitness. And and since understanding what what a boot camp is, at least physically, um, I've noticed that they're all over the place, not just on television shows, um, like what we just watched, or shows like The Biggest Loser or whatnot. Um, You know, I'm seeing lawn signs and hearing other people invite people, maybe not to their garage, but to invite people into the boot camps that they're engaged in. And so launching us back into this back to school season as a church community, Um, We thought it would be kind of a cool idea to have our own boot camp of sorts, but more from a physical or more from a spiritual perspective than a physical one. And what's driving us is not just kind of the trendiness of this boot camp idea physically, but actually um, uh, an idea in scripture represented most by a verse in the New Testament in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And I want us to kind of pay attention to it. We're going to put it on the screen now because I I feel like for this month of September, this is going to be kind of our poster verse that I would love if you're tracking with us um, to actually try to commit to memory. So to do that, we're going to read this out loud this morning at all of our locations. Okay. So let's read this out loud together. First Timothy four, verse eight. Are you ready? Here we go. It says there, physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is valuable in every way because it promises life both for the present and for the future. I want you to think about that and ultimately try to commit that to memory this month. Physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is valuable in every way because it promises life both for the present and for the future. And uh, the writer of this verse is introducing to us this idea of spiritual exercise or spiritual fitness. And you might not be all that familiar with what that entails. I think most of us are familiar with what physical exercise or physical fitness looks like. It may not necessarily look like what we see in the mirror, but we're all at least familiar with the concept. We've probably, many of us have got the unused exercise equipment and the broken New Year's resolutions to prove it. But, but at the very least, we understand the dynamics. We understand what, what physical exercise and physical fitness is. Spiritually speaking, though, I think sometimes it's a little bit more nebulous. Sometimes I hear people talk about spiritual fitness or spiritual you know well-being as being in touch with my inner self or you know discovering true peace or something a little more nebulous when in reality the teachings of the bible and especially the teachings of Jesus are far more clear and concrete and specific about what spiritual fitness really means if you think about the teachings of Jesus Jesus really boiled all of life down to two ideas One was to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and one was to love your neighbor as yourself. Out of a love for God, we love the people around us. That's pretty much the whole ballgame when it came to the teachings of Jesus. And so to be spiritually healthy would be to be growing in those capacities in increasing ways, to be loving God more and better, and as a result, to be loving the people around us, uh, you know, in more effective and more pervasive ways. And Another way of looking at it in the New Testament is the way that the Apostle Paul describes in Galatians chapter 5. We'll read it and kind of compare that to the teachings of Jesus when he says there that the fruit of the Spirit, kind of the the byproduct or the, the outward manifestation of a spiritually healthy life, he says it's things like love and joy and peace and forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control See what the scriptures teach is that spiritual health more specifically is an attitude of heart it's a it's a posture it's a it's a disposition and out of that disposition is a way of relating to other people it's it's characteristics and attributes that translate into how we relate to other people and so very consistent to the teachings of Jesus who described you know spiritual health kind of in a loving God more and better and loving other people more and better you know this is the kind of fruit more graphically or more specifically that we're talking about when we're talking about developing spiritual health or spiritual fitness And the passage we started with that said physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is valuable in every way talked about one of the reasons that spiritual health is so valuable because as it said, um, it promises life for the future. And it gives us kind of this long-term view of the value of spiritual health. I think more specifically in that particular passage, it's actually referring to the dynamic of eternity, not just the short or midterm future, but the forever version of future in life after this life. And the Bible is pretty clear that there is in fact life after this earthly life. And the quality or the experience of that life of eternity in some ways depends on choices that we make in our lives on earth. And it encourages people to embrace that kind of perspective, what we call an eternal perspective, to live our earthly life out of that context that there actually is more to life than just this life. And when we start to do that, when we start to develop a perspective and a context around our earthly life, it starts to change our choices and priorities and values and the things that we would invest in here on earth because it changes the relative value of those those pursuits. Uh, drawn graphically, I saw someone do this exercise once, and so if you're taking notes today, uh, in the middle of your mini-mag is a, a space for taking notes, and you can you can draw a horizontal line uh, kind of in the, in the middle of that empty space. And the horizontal line uh, I saw someone represent um, represents eternity. The horizontal line represents forever. And, and then what this person had someone do once they'd drawn that horizontal line was to try to plot the portion of that line that represents a day of your life. And you know, what, what you try to do then is try to sharpen your pencil and, and make as small a dot as you possibly can on that line to compare that one day to, to all of eternity. And, and then I saw the person, what they did is they said, now try to plot a year of your life. And what's funny is y- you need just as sharp a pencil to, to make just as small a, a dot or point on that line. And then you know where this is going. They said to plot you know, 100 years or 1,000 years or 10,000 years. Like we sing about sometimes when we sing that song, 10,000 reasons. And, and again and again and again, in the light of eternity or on the line of eternity, you're, you're just putting a very small kind of infinitesimally small dot. And it kind of visually puts things into perspective when you think about the kinds of things you would invest in primarily, because there are some things that we can invest in that are only going to make a dot of difference in the light of eternity, where the Bible says that spiritual health and spiritual training is something that can last forever. Similar to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, when he asked what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Again, he's contrasting things that have everlasting, forever, eternal value with the finite temporal drop-in-a-bucket kind of things that we can enjoy on earth. And it's one of those things that I think should drive us to the place that that woman got to in that episode of Extreme Makeover, Weight Loss Edition, to realize, yeah, it's actually worth it. I'm going to make the choice today to engage in a boot camp, to disproportionately focus intensively on my spiritual condition and spiritual health. Sadly, though, what I've experienced, uh, not just in my own life, but in talking with, with many others, is that that theoretical perspective typically isn't enough to get us to that place. And if you think about the woman in that episode, um, in some sense, theory wasn't enough to get her to that place either, was it? You know, she probably knew in theory what physical health was, and she probably knew the benefits of it, and could understand the long-term impact that that would have on her life. But what she needed to get to that kind of breaking point, to get to that defining moment where she finally committed to be being part of that boot camp was to realize the difference that that was going to make in her here and now. To realize, not just in her head, but in her heart, to feel the fact that the status quo for her was no longer acceptable and she definitively wanted to make a change. And as much as I would love a, a general definition of spiritual health to compel us to care about it, and a glimpse or picture or perspective on eternity to drive us to value it, The truth is, for many of us, we need more. We we need to be convinced that our every day would be drastically affected for the better if we cared more about our spiritual health, which is why I feel like that passage in 1 Timothy 4, verse 8 is so significant. Throwing part of it back up on the screen, we read that spiritual exercise is valuable in every way, not just because it promises life for the future, but because it promises life for the present and perhaps more than anything i'd want us to appreciate in a conversation like this just how significant the value of spiritual health can be in every other facet of our lives day to day i was in a meeting recently with uh with a couple uh in separate conversations who were going through some difficulties in their marriage it's not an uncommon conversation for me to find myself in, and frankly, the nature of the conversation wasn't terribly uncommon either. Um, the couple had been feeling like their relationship had been eroding over years. this wasn't a a, a new a new issue for them and in both cases, um, their heart cry was essentially for the very same thing. There were things in their spouse that had become chronic concerns that they felt were unproductive to their relationship, that they really wanted to change. And at the same time, they wanted to feel a greater degree of love and acceptance unconditionally for themselves. Uh, I'm sure for many of us, whether we're married or not, we've experienced that dynamic in relationships before, not just in marriage, but it tends to intensify in marriage where you want to be accepted unconditionally for yourself and at the same time want the other person to make changes, right? And so in the course of this conversation, in in both of the the separate conversations that I had, I, I, I asked the question of where they were at from a spiritual perspective, where their heart was at toward God, where they felt their, their spiritual condition was at. And I, and I asked it not just because I felt like it was my job. um, I asked it because of the way that The scriptures talk about spiritual health or maybe even more specifically the way that the scriptures talk about spiritual health and the way that it can affect a relationship like your marriage see when the bible talks about spiritual health and the fruit of being in a place where you have a healthy spirit like we read about earlier things like love and joy and peace and patience um it describes a different way of relating to people and more specifically in the context of marriage um There are passages in the Bible, uh, in the book of Ephesians, for example, that talk about the, the reality of spiritual health translating into a disposition called submissiveness or actually caring more about the other person with whom you're in relationship than caring about yourself, caring about their interests and their desires and their agenda more than your own. And the way that the Bible describes a spiritually healthy relationship in the context of marriage is through the concept of what it calls mutual submissiveness, where both parties could adopt and embrace the values and desires and heartbeats of the other person more than their own. And I started to connect these dots for this couple because what I was seeing in their heart cry was that both of them wanted the same thing out of their relationship. They just both wanted the very opposite thing that the other person wanted. They both wanted unconditional acceptance for themselves, but they both wanted the other person to change. And I said, what do you think would happen in your relationship if instead you flip those desires around? and submitted yourself to the desires of your spouse and instead wanted more to unconditionally accept them and wanted more to work on change in you? What do you think would happen to your relationship if you did that? Or what better, what what do you think would happen to your relationship if you both did that? And have you ever given the thought that maybe... This all boils down to doing some work yourselves on your spiritual health, which could translate into that different way of relating. In a lot of ways, I was trying to bring the wisdom of the Proverbs, where it says in Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. That that was kind of why I was going there, not because it was my job, but because I I sensed that if something could change spiritually in them, if something could change in their heart, their marriage could have a whole new trajectory that it, it would not just survive, but really thrive. And to be totally frank, I thought that at that point, I would have them there. I would have them at that place, like that woman in that episode that we just watched, where they would commit to new levels of spiritual engagement and new levels of spiritual fitness. Maybe not in a boot camp kind of a way, but, you know, new disproportionate intensive concern on their fitness spiritually. Their answer though shocked me because what they acknowledged was that they understood why I was asking about where they were at spiritually. And they could connect the dots between the difference that spiritual health would make ultimately not just in their countenance or in their disposition, but in the way that they related to each other and maybe more specifically in the way that they related in their marriage. What they said though that shocked me was not that they agreed with me. What they said that shocked me was that they had tried so many times and had lost hope that they could actually do that. And they described times where they tried to be submissive and times where they tried to think about the other person and times where they tried to work on their own stuff more than wanting the other person to change and times where they had tried and tried and tried again and just like a new year's resolution gone bad their experience with all that effort was just one failure after another after another and it wasn't just that they weren't caring about their spiritual condition. The big problem for them that I discovered in this conversation with them was that they'd lost hope. Not just in their marriage, they'd lost hope that they could actually change their spiritual condition. And at that point, I realized that there was actually something else that we as people require if we're going to get to the point that that woman got to and actually want to embark on a boot camp of sorts from a spiritual perspective. We're going to need more than just understanding what spiritual health is. We're going to need more than just appreciating things from an eternal perspective and more than just feeling in the pit of our gut the difference that spiritual health can make in our everyday. What we're going to need probably more than anything at the end of the day, is we're gonna need a fresh understanding of what the Bible calls the gospel. A fresh understanding of the good news of the message of Jesus Christ. See, as I unpacked it with this couple, what I realized was that they they were understanding a life with God to be about things that you do to get yourself spiritually fit as if, you know, God's kind of looking down from his heavenly throne at people who are, you know, flabby or overweight spiritually and out of shape spiritually and kind of, you know, waving his finger and tisking because of how out of shape we are, you know, desperately hoping that we would pull up our bootstraps and get our act together and whip ourselves into spiritual shape. Um, If you're new to conversation of faith, I'd want you to understand that in some ways that paradigm is the textbook definition of what we call religion. That's what religion is. Religion is things that humans do for God or things that humans do to make themselves right with God or things that humans do to please God. Where the Christian message and the person and work of Jesus is fundamentally not A religion because it's not ultimately something that people do for God it's something that God wants to do for humans and something that God has done and wants to continue to do in and through individual people's lives see the message of the Bible is that you know God understood the human condition and our brokenness and fallenness because of sin. And God didn't want to judge us for it. God's heart broke because of it. And God got to the point where he did something about it in sending his one and only son to earth to live as a human and experience all the pain and stress and heartache that we do. But in living a sinless life on earth, the Bible says that Jesus gave his life up for you and me to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be forgiven of it once and for all. And as if that wasn't enough, the Bible says that Jesus, after three days, rose from the dead. And through that miraculous resurrection, his spiritual life, the very life resource that enabled him to live the way he did on earth, that spiritual life then became available to invade the lives of anyone who'd received that forgiveness from Jesus Christ through placing their faith in him. And it's actually through his spiritual life, the Bible says, that people develop the capacity to gain spiritual health. That's why that passage said the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of God's spirit, not the fruit of our efforts to get spiritually healthy. The fruit of God's spirit is love and joy and peace and so on. The message of the Bible is that it's God's spiritual activity in us that provides and produces spiritual health, not through our pulling up our bootstraps and trying to hunker down and get our own act together. Even from the perspective of our underlying motivation, pay attention to what it says in Philippians chapter 4 where it says that it is God who works in you both to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose, it's actually the work of God that doesn't just drive our dispositions and our characteristics and our choices and priorities and values and character and relationships. It's God who works in us to transform our underlying motivations to even want to be changed and then works supernaturally in us by his spirit to transform us in ways that we never could so that over time, as we're opening up ourselves to him and his love for us and his transforming work and power, we can actually be different people because he's doing the work of making us increasingly spiritually healthy. So when we talk about a boot camp a boot camp isn't about hunkering down and trying to get our own spiritual act together a boot camp is just increasingly putting ourselves in environments where God can do that increasingly opening ourselves up to God's love and to his work so that he can be the spiritual agent not just to provide us with spiritual health but to provide us with the underlying motivation to want to and I wonder how many of us would love to receive a little bit more of that in our lives today. You know, like that woman in the video that we watched, we're 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 broken over some things in our lives. There are things we desperately like to see changed. You know, maybe for you, it's like the story I referred to in a marriage that you're feeling is just growing increasingly apart instead of together. Or maybe you felt this week, you know, putting your kids back on the school bus for the first time this year that, you know, you just realize that a whole other year has passed, and they're growing up so quickly, and you're really not gaining the kind of relational closeness and influence that you really hoped. Or maybe you're you're anxious or broken up over your financial condition, that you're you're just you know running out of money at the end of the month, and and feeling like you can't manage your spending in a sustainable way. Or maybe there are hurts or habits or heartaches that you just can't you know, experience healing for, or maybe it's meaning and purpose that you're desperate to get out of bed every day and live for. Whatever it is in the fallenness and brokenness of humanity, that there are things inevitably all of us would deeply love to see changed. But instead of leaving us on our own, God wants to invite us into a boot camp of sorts, into a disproportionately intensive experience with him, where he does the work, not just to change us, but to give us the underlying motivation to even want to change in the first place. So at the dawn of this back to school season and at the dawn of this four week series, that's what I want to invite you into this morning. As in these next Three weeks, we examine what it looks like to participate in a boot camp, what it means to engage together as a community across all of our locations in a boot camp, what it means to open ourselves up to the work of God. Not just because we understand what spiritual fitness is, and not just because we're gaining a perspective on eternity that contextualizes the value that it can have for our forever, And not just because we appreciate that from the heart proceeds all other things in life. And we realize the value that spiritual health can have on everything in our day to day. But at the end of the day, because we're understanding the gospel. Because we're understanding that God's not up somewhere in heaven looking down on us, judging us, disappointed in us. But rather God's right beside us, loving us cheering us on wishing for better for us and not only is he beside us but when we've put our trust in in him he wants to live in us and never leave us or forsake us and transform us from the inside out giving us the desire to change and the will and the capacity to be different and as we open ourselves and expose ourselves to different environments where he can work in extreme ways over time he'll make us the people that we always wanted to be by disproportionately investing ourselves and focusing on him in a spiritual boot camp of sorts, where he's allowed to do the work in us that ultimately he wants to do. To close this morning, um, we're gonna respond um, with a ceremony that we're going to participate in uh, across all of our locations. And this ceremony was instituted by Jesus when he walked the earth. Uh, It's a ceremony we commonly refer to as communion. Uh, Jesus instituted it in the last supper that he had with his disciples before he gave his life up for the sin of you and me. And when he instituted this ceremony in the last supper, he passed around some bread and he said that this bread, wafers in our case, this bread represents his body that is broken for us. Then he passed around a cup of wine, grape juice in our case, and he said that this this wine represents his shed blood and the new covenant or the new relational dynamic with him that we can experience because of it. And he encouraged people to participate in this kind of ceremony, in this kind of ritualistic meal of sorts. He said to do this in remembrance of him. And in some sense, you can kind of understand Jesus predicting that we would get to places where we would forget about him, where we would drift or where we would get distracted or where we would get apathetic spiritually. In a lot of ways, this ritual is an opportunity for any of us, whether we've ever done this before and we want to do it for the first time or we want to do it for the umpteenth time, it's an opportunity for us to kind of draw a line in the sand spiritually. And wherever we've come from, whatever day or week or summer season we've had, we can start fresh with God right here, right now, through responding by participating in this ceremony together. The important thing to appreciate, though, in this ceremony of communion is what these elements represent, and not just to reflect on our response to God, but ultimately to reflect on the reality that it's his body broken for us and his blood shed for us that enables us to experience the kind of spiritual fitness that we'd love to draw a line in the sand and enjoy. So if you're in the place today where you're ready for a boot camp of sorts this month, um, let God know that in the silent reflection and prayer time that you experience in this time of communion. But let's never forget what this is ultimately about and what is so different between a spiritual boot camp and a physical one. Ultimately, God's not just a trainer whispering beside us and cheering us on. God is our life source and transformative agent because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because of the one who cared so much about your spiritual health and mine that he gave his life for us to experience it. So let's celebrate that now as we participate in communion together. Let's pray. Jesus, as we uh, prepare to participate in this ceremony together that you instituted, uh, first and foremost, we just want to express our gratitude to you for loving us enough and caring about our spiritual condition and knowing the value that could bring to our lives and our eternities so much that you died for us. But thanks, God, that you didn't stay dead. You rose again and your spirit's alive today to do that transforming work among us. And I pray that more than appreciating what Spiritual health is all about And more than just appreciating its eternal value And more than just appreciating And really stomaching The significant gain that it can make In our quality of life Right here, right now With whatever we're wrestling with Help us to appreciate That it is your work in us Achieved on the cross Achieved when you conquered death That we celebrate now That can do that work in us and through us And so I pray that we would draw those lines in the sand right now. I pray that we would get to that place where we would be open in this next month to engage in a disproportionate and intensive investment in ourselves spiritually, a boot camp of sorts, not for you, but by you and your work in us. Thank you that you want to do that and thank you that we can celebrate that in this ceremony now. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.